Welcome to the Victory Family Worship Center podcast. If you have any questions, you can email us at thevictory.tv at gmail.com. So we're going into the fall and winter seasons, and, and um, you know, for me, it's not so much a season as, you know, as a pastor, I like to prepare for things. I know it's because there's different seasons, and you just, you just prepare all year long. But, you know, I believe that the church is about to enter another season beginning next Wednesday. <laughs> I, you know, I believe that things are going to change in America one way or the other. They're going to change. And as Christians, we're here for the long haul. We're here. It doesn't matter what happens. We're still going to be here um, Wednesday morning, and we're, God is still good. God is still on the throne, and God is still in control. Amen? Can y'all say amen? And so, um, but regardless, we need to know, we need to be prepared for anything that's going to happen. And I just believe the church is entering into a phase and a season, you know, where I don't, you know, it's, the church is going to become more and more persecuted. The church is going to become, it's going to become, you know, it's going to, there's, the church is going to go through its trials and we're going to have to be, come together as a body. And and I just believe we're going to have to learn how to fight off the enemy. You know what I'm talking about? We're going to have to learn to stand our ground and quit giving up ground. Amen? And so that's kind of what I'm going to talk about today. Uh, um, I'm going to talk about spiritual warfare. And, you know, this is going to, it, it's, you know, it's going to grate some people wrong. Um, um, but it, this is what we're going to do today. And it's a heavy subject. And, and it's going to be heavy today. But um, this was kind of birthed out of me. I've, I've seen this sermon coming for four or five weeks back when I was talking about good versus evil about four weeks ago. And, and so it's just, these things just kind of birth, and, and we just, I just keep going with it. And so you may have grown up in churches all your life, and you've never heard about spiritual warfare. That's okay. Uh, um, it's, you know, you may not understand what it even looks like. That's okay. That's why I'm teaching today. Um, maybe you have, you've grown up in the churches where they, that's all they talked about was spiritual warfare. Um, nevertheless, it doesn't matter where you're camped out. We're going to dive into it today. All right. Is that okay? Y'all good? Y'all don't sound good. Y'all going to have to get a little lively in today. Um, my goal today is just to empower you, to empower you with tools from the Bible and some scripture, and some instruction from the Bible on how you can live stronger. That's basically it. And, and there is a, whether you want to admit it to it or not, you know, first of all, there's a natural world out there. You're in a natural world right now. We're, this is, we're in the natural world. This is natural. Pinch yourself and say, this is natural. Um, we, we live in a natural world. But there is also an unseen world. There is a spirit world. And it's unseen, you can't te- touch it, you can't see it, but it's there. And when you start to dive into scriptures, it'll become very clear that it's there, the spiritual world. And, and as you begin to understand some things, uh, you know, you're going to, about the spiritual world, you're going to begin to understand how the spirit world affects the natural world. And that's my goal today is for you, help you understand how the spiritual world affects the natural world. A lot of things you see playing out right now in our country, um, I've told you this, it's good versus evil, but a, a lot of that evil is influenced in the spiritual world. It, it, people are influenced, is influenced by, by the spiritual world. Even good things that happen, it's influenced by, there, there's a battle between the two spirit worlds. Uh, there's a battle in the spiritual world that affects the natural world. And so, uh, you know, as a result, 
a lot of people end up living their whole lives controlled by the spiritual world, by the demonic spiritual world that we're going to get in today. Even though they love Jesus, they're not equipped to stand their ground in the spirit world. And so, you know, that it's so as a Christian, you know, we're you have to understand that as Christians, we're not just created to just sit in our chairs and play defense. How many of you know sometimes the best defense is a good offense? If you know anything about sports, you got to play offense. You've got to you've got to we we are called as Christians to play offense and take ground and and take the enemy's ground and conquer. The Bible talks about being victorious and we've we're we're called as Christians to bring light into a dark world and play offense and take over our cities and our states and and that's what we're called to do. We're not just supposed to sit back and play defense. And a lot of people don't realize, a lot of Christians don't realize that when you gave your heart and you signed up for Jesus Christ, for him to be your Lord and Savior, you signed up for a war. You enlisted in a war. And it's a spiritual war. And it exists in the spiritual world, but a lot of people aren't aware of it. And it's all around us. And there are principalities, there's powers, there's rulers of darkness, and there's spiritual wickedness, and they're called demonic entities, they're demonic spirits, however you want to talk about it. And, and, and I'm going to dive into all this and explain to this in very graphic detail. There are spirits, there's principalities and demonic spirits. They rule and reign over certain regions of the world. Um, there are demonic spirits that rule and reign in, in people's lives and in families, and they influence families. And, and many Christians don't understand it, and therefore they don't even address it. It just, we just push it to the, we push it under the rug. So many Christians, their lives are entangled in a life where they're always wondering, is God for me or against me? You know, what's going on? I don't feel God's presence. I don't feel I don't, God's not doing anything in my life. And so it all boils down to this, in my opinion. That over 40% of the church, I'm talking about the church, I'm not talking about the unbelieving world, 40% of the church doesn't believe that the devil or Satan exists on the earth. 40% of the church denies that, there, that the devil even exists. And yet the Bible, the foundations of the Bible, the very foundation teaches us from the very beginning in scriptures, Satan exists the devil exists, and not only does he exist, but he exists to steal, kill, and destroy on this earth. The devil hates you. He hates your family. He hates everything about you. He is your enemy. And God is good. The devil is bad. Bad is not coming from God. Y'all understand that? Evil, calamity, disease, poverty, tragedies, all kinds of these things that you see happening on the earth today are either the result of man-made decisions or man-made decisions opening the door to demonic influences and demonic spirits. So are y'all tracking with me right here? So Satan hates the world. 
His goal is to kill, steal, and destroy the world. He is the enemy of God. This started out long ago in Revelations. We're going to read this. Uh, Revelations, ta- it started way before the beginning of time. Lucifer, and there was three archangels. There was uh, Gabriel and Michael. They were in heaven. Lucifer exalted himself to the place that he wanted to uh, be higher than God. Uh, he, and so he exalted himself against God, and, and the Bible says he was cast out of heaven. If you have your Bibles, go to Revelations 12. Let's look at scriptures today. We're going to look at a lot of scriptures today. I want you to make sure you have your Bibles open. Revelation 12, verse 7 talks about this. It says, The war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought with the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought, and they did not prevail. The dragon is Lucifer. This is So if you read it, you'll catch this if you read on. So the great dragon was cast out. The serpent of old called the devil and Satan who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth and his angels were cast out with him. Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his, of his Christ have come. For the accuser of the brethren who, is, who accused them before our God day and night has been cast down. And they overcome him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives to the death. Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. But it says here, Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea, for the devil has come down to you, having great wrath, because he knows he has a short time. So Satan knows he has a short time on this earth. And he knows that only for a season he has the power to function on this earth and influence the earth. That's why he's working overtime. He's, he's, he's in overtime. Let's, let's, let's go to 1 Peter 5, verse 8 and 9. I want to read this to you because this sets the stage. The Bible tells us, God's words through Peter tells us, Be sober, be vigilant, vigilant because your adversary, the devil, walks around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. So he's talking about the devil walking around on earth. Resist him. Everybody say resist him. Steadfast in faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. So these scriptures explain to us that the evil of this world is not authored by God. You need to understand that. The evil in this world is authored by God himself. And Satan's goal is to rob, steal, kill, and destroy, and harm people, um, you know, and, and harm people, and do whatever he can to influence people in this world. And Satan uses demonic spirits in the earth to do that. And the reason why the church doesn't talk about this is because it's supernatural. So, you know, I'm going to lose a lot of followers today. I'm going to lose a lot of people because I'm going to, you know, we, it's good to talk about the Holy Spirit. We like the Holy Spirit. That's good. But when we talk about the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit, people get weirded out. People start going south. So I'm going to teach you today. Is that good? Can we, you know, ready to learn? Okay. Straight out of the Bible. Um, you know, whether you want to believe this or not, it's real. 
if you believe in the Bible, if you believe God for your salvation, you believe in the whole Bible, this is real. And one of the greatest deceptions in America today is somehow all those supernatural things that we see in the Bible have passed away. That's one of the great deceptions in America today. I think sometimes, I told them this morning, I think sometimes we believe, in, we believe more in the devil's supernatural powers than we believe in God's supernatural powers. Because we'll all agree when I say evil and calamity and destruction and, and all those good things that's caused by the devil on this earth, everybody would probably say, amen, pastor, yeah, that devil, boy, he's a terror, yeah. But then when I start talking about casting out demons and speaking in tongues and stuff like that, people get weird on me. People get quiet on me. People start shutting me down. And so I think sometimes, listen, when the subject comes up of healing people and casting out demons and speaking in tongues and deliverance, all these kind of things, churches are, a lot of churches are quick to dismiss this stuff because, well, that was only back in the day of Jesus, you know, when Jesus, to, to, so that, you know, before the word of God and stuff like that. But most of the stuff that I'm going to talk about you today is already after the book of Acts. So we're going to just get into this. You can agree with me or not. There's no shortage. Uh, you, can, you, you can agree with me or not. There is no shortage of supernatural demonic activity on this earth today. Can somebody testify to that? Can, do you see with your own eyes the evil that is happening on this earth today? I'm talking about not in just the USA, everywhere. If anything, as the time of Christ draws near Demonic activity is growing, and it's becoming bolder and bolder, and it's, the, it's going up and it's instead of going down. And so my question is, is, why, is pe- why are people in the American churches passively approaching spiritual warfare as if it doesn't exist? Why, why do churches passively approach the supernatural power of God as if it doesn't exist? Because just because, listen, just because we don't want to deal with the devil doesn't mean he doesn't exist. Are y'all with me today? As a result, most Christians don't have an inclination uh, about being in the middle of a spiritual warfare, and they don't have any inclination, uh, you know, that they're without armor and they're without any ability to fight. And a lot of people are losing the battle. A lot of Christians are losing the battle. And then when they lose the battle, when, they, when, when things go bad, they blame God. I guess God just wants me to endure this. I guess this is just God's will for me. And, and so most people haven't been taught in the body of Christ, you know, about supernatural warfare. And so most people just say, you know, I guess I've got to grind it out. I guess i just got to white knuckle through this. I guess i got to be patient and endure this cross, you know. I, I guess I'm just going to suffer for Jesus and, and we're going to endure trouble. Listen, Jesus already suffered for you. And, and so the Bible says your job is to resist the devil. Everybody say, resist the devil, which means you need to learn how to fight. Fight the good fight of faith. You've been enlisted into an army, and we're not going to be, listen, on my watch, we're not going to be a pacifist church. That, that's just not who I am. When I got saved, I went all in 100%. When I was in the world sinning and drinking and, and doing all those things, I went all in. It was full sinned. I did it all. I did it hard. I did it good, and I had fun. When I got saved, I went all in. I'm full, full, full floor. I mean, I went for it all. And there's no uh, little bit, and there's no, it's, it's white and it's 
black and white to me. And, and so, you know, we're not a church that comes, I don't want to be a church that comes on Sunday and forgets the fact on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, we're living in a war zone. And so we need to learn to fight the good fight of faith. How would it be if we had the armies in America, we had all these armies and, and, and all these great forces, and we just took all their weapons from them? And told them, well, you know, there's not really any, the, the enemy out there, they're not really not a threat. They're, they're really not going to do anything. They're, you know, and just teach that the enemy is just invisible and it doesn't really, you know, and, you know, it, it'll be okay. You don't need no weapons. And, and, you know, and that's what a lot of Christians do. Oh, well, I just hope God will rapture me out of here, rapture me out of here, and everything will be okay. <laughs> we got to stand our ground. And unfortunately, what happens is, is when we get into war, um, a lot of people get wounded by, they get wounded by the enemy. We get wounded. We get hurt. And so we go to the church as a hospital to heal us and, and to restore us and to counsel us and to help us to encourage us. And then, listen, but then a lot of Christians, they don't want to go back to war. We want to stay in the hospital and, and just get nurtured for the rest of our lives because in the church you've got bedside service. You know, everybody bring, you brings the food and, you know, change your diapers and all this and change your bottles and that, that's what happens. We don't want to go back to war. We just stay here in the church. And there's an element of the church that's supposed to be a hospital. Yes, I get that. The church's job is to put you back together but it, and then send you back to war. And so you need to go to Ephesians chapter 6, and we need to get the foundations right here. Uh, um, let me give you some backstory to Ephesians chapter 6. Open your Bibles, and let's read this together. Um, Paul is writing this church to Ephesus, and Paul is instructing them. Paul knows he's about to die a martyr's death. He's about to be killed. He's about to be wiped off, wiped out. So he's in prison, and he writes this letter. When he's in prison, he's actually chained to a Roman guard, because he always had this problem of getting out of jail. The supernatural power of God would always open the doors and he would always walk out. Supernatural, he would always get out of prison. So they actually chained him to a Roman guard as he's writing this letter. And he parallels the spiritual warfare to the natural battles. And listen to what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 6. Pay, pay close attention to this because it's vital to, that you get this. And when, when I heard the teaching on this, it changed the way I approached my Christianity. It changed everything. It changed how I pray. It changed everything. Ephesians 6, 10 and 18, 10 through 18. I'm going to break it down in sections. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. In other words, don't be pacifist. Don't be passive in your approach don't be Christians that are always focused on the problems, going to sit back in the chairs and, and just, uh, just, just play defense. Don't be passive. we got to play offense as well. And then it goes on to say, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. What are wiles? What are wiles? The Greek word that that, that that word is translated from, it comes from this Greek word that means strategies. Your version of the Bible could say schemes or plans. In essence, wiles. Um, stand against the wiles of the devil. Stand against the strategies of the wiles. Because what that is, is telling us, is the enemy has a road map to your life. 
The enemy has a strategy to get into your life. He is strategizing on how to get into your life. Paul says, be strong, be vigilant against this. Put on the whole armor of God so that you're able to stand against the strategies, the wiles of the devil. For we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. I want you to say that with me. Say, we don't wrestle. Y'all know what wrestling is, right? I know a lot of you know what wrestling is. We don't wrestle against, everybody say, flesh and blood. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. And yet most of our troubles here on earth, our anxieties, our angers, our fears, our frustrations, uh, you know, those, those things, the, the, those are what? Those are flesh and blood things. Marital problems, what is that? Flesh and blood. Government problems, what is that? Flesh and blood. Problems on your job, problems with your boss, problems with your spouse, whatever it is, that's flesh and blood. Disagreements, flesh and blood. We spend an unusual amount of energy frustrated and angry and having all kinds of emotional challenges with flesh and blood. When our battle is not with the flesh and blood. Flesh and blood function the way they do because of spiritual influences. Spiritual influences, demonic entities, drive people. I'm not saying possess. Don't hear that. They drive people. They drive situations. They influence people. They influence situations to do things certain ways, to cause people to say things, to cause people to do things, to cause people to think things and believe things based on the deception of the enemy. See, we have a tendency in the body of the Christ to think that our battle is with people. And that's a challenge. I mean, you know, people hurt you. People say things, whatever it is. And, and that's the challenge is to get to that place where you understand, hey, this is evil. This is, this is, this is not this person. I, this is not my battles, not with the flesh and blood. But the Bible, says, the Bible says clearly our beef is not with flesh and blood. Our beef is not with people. Well, then who's our battle against? The Bible says against principalities. Against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. This is where the battle lies. I've researched all this. I've done the looking, and I'm going to break these four levels. Uh, this is the rank and file of, uh, of Satan's authority right here. I've broken all these down. I'm going to break every one of them down to you. The first one is principalities. Principalities comes from the Greek word. It's up there. I, I can't pronounce none of these Greek words, so you can do your best. That's why I put them up there for you. But principalities comes from the Greek word that means highest position of authority. This would be the highest position of, of authority. Uh, um, Paul is talking about rulers of whole regions. This would Think in terms of like a president over a, over a country. The principalities are over regions. They're over cities. They're over governments of worlds. So principalities take authority over governments and have influence, and they influence governments. Paul is saying there's demonic spiritual influence over whole regions of the world. And those spirits dominate in those regions and they create belief systems and they, they create laws and tragedies and all kinds of calamities through people yielding to these principalities. 
And everything surrounding that principality rules over that region. The second level are powers. Powers are delegated authorities from the Greek word ekosia. Sounds kind of cozy, doesn't it? Ecosia. Powers, what are powers? Powers are, are given instructions. Okay, Just like an army, you would have a general and he would pass down orders to colonels and lieutenants and so forth. There's a rank and file. So powers are, are, are delegated authorities. There are different levels of authorities in the kingdom of darkness and these powers are the second level down. And the third level is rulers of darkness. Rulers of darkness comes from that Greek word that's real big up there. It's two words, and it actually means, it has two definitions. It's a combination of two words, and it means order and arrangement and raw power. The enemy has, has, an, has order, he has arrangement, and he has raw power. The enemy orchestrates those arrangements and that raw power strategically wiles against people and against worlds. And then the fourth level is spiritual wickedness in high places. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this because I'm going to show you how to attack it. Spiritual wickedness in high places comes from a Greek word. It defines spiritual wickedness as bad, vile, vicious spirits that are sent to afflict humanity. So spiritual wickedness, they're sent to afflict humanity, bring affliction. This is where it comes down to an individual level where spirits are actually sent to affect humanity. The Bible gives them all kinds of names. Jesus dealt with all these spirits. That's why he dealt with them, to show us this. Jesus dealt with the spirit of infirmity. There's a lot of spirits. I'm not going to take time to talk about them all, but Jesus dealt with infirmity. People who had, had an actual spirit that was afflicting them physically in their bodies. Not all infirmities are spirits, but... He said there is, such, there is a spirit of infirmity. Jesus also talked about a familiar spirit. A familiar spirit is a spirit that's familiar with you and your family. These spirits have been, have been in the lineage, lineage for your family, maybe for generations, for centuries, and, and passing from generation to generation. I did a whole series uh, last year one time called Generational Curses, and, and I... I totally laid this out. And these familiar spirits are passed from generation to generation, controlling your family with generational curses. I used alcohol as an example, alcohol addiction as an example, how it's been passed down for generations in my family. That's why you see families that will continue to repeat the same sins over and over, repeat the same addictions, repeat the same habits, and they deal with these same habits and curses all the time. It's because they're dealing with this, these spirits, these familiar spirits that are bringing affliction and influence into their families. Again, I'm not talking about possession. That's a whole nother level, okay? I'll get to that. And, and familiar spirits, they, this keeps happening until somebody gives their heart over to Jesus Christ. Somewhere in the lineage, they give their heart over to Jesus Christ, and they surrender to the lordship of Jesus Christ. And, and, and then they take authority over those spirits, and they break those curses, and then they start generation, generation, generational blessings in your life. That's what happened in my life. 
That's why I know so much about this. Uh, that generational curse was broken off my life. Alcohol and all those things that I was dealing with that go back for generations probably. I don't know, and I'm not faulting nobody. I'm just saying I've stood up and I broke those curses off my family, off my children, off my grandchildren, so that they no longer have to deal with the things that I had to deal with. I want my kids and my grandkids and my great kids to walk in generational blessings for the rest of their life. And that this is a real thing that happened in my life. And, and this has happened in many people's lives that I know right here in this church. People have been, have been through this. And so a lot of troubles that you see in families sometimes are, are a result of influence from familiar spirits. And they'll rule until you stop it. Until you stop it. Are you following me? Are y'all following me? Y'all, y'all all right out there? Everybody good? Take a deep breath. <laughs> but these spirits, they'll rule over governments. They'll rule over regions. They'll rule over religions. They'll rule over economics. And that, that's why, you know, I, I, I'm so big on it, it, about, you know, this political system. It's not... It's not political platforms that, we're, that the church is dealing with. It is evil against good. That's what we're dealing with. And, and if, you, you, if you're going to open yourselves up to the sin, the Bible taught, teaches that you open yourselves up to these principalities that come in and influence lawmakers and, and people that, are, that affect our society and affect our livelihood. These laws and rules, they're opened up to principalities, demonic principalities, and they open us up to that because they're opened up to it. And somewhere the church has got to stand up and say, enough. Thank y'all for that enthusiasm. You need to understand. Uh, let, let's go to Luke chapter four. I'm gonna I'm gonna paint you a big old picture. The the scriptures paint a picture of how Satan operates in this level of authority. But first, you need to understand something. You need to understand that before Jesus came on the scene, before Jesus came on the scene, before he started his ministry, Satan had full reign on the earth. There was no redemption yet. Jesus had not died on the cross. So you see all kinds of dysfunction in the Old Testament, and you see all this stuff, and, and a lot of people, you know, all this sin and idolatry and stuff in the Old Testament and stuff. They love God, but you see all this demonic influence. You see all this stuff. You're like, dear Lord, how could these people do this kind of stuff? I mean, look what David did. <laughs> You know what I mean? And so anyway, there was all kinds of stuff going on. And, and, but you have to understand, I'm going to watch this. I'm going to show you. God had sent his son. What God did was send his son, Jesus Christ, to take control and destroy the works of the devil. And so Jesus is out fasting and praying. He was, at, he was 30 years of old before he started his ministry, 30 years old. He's out. He's fixing to start his ministry, so he's out fasting and praying uh, um, and, and getting ministered to by angels, by the Holy Spirit. And, and anyway, the devil comes on the scene and encounters Jesus. The devil comes in to pick a fight, basically. And I want you to notice a few things that happen in Luke chapter 4. Okay, the devil comes in, verse 5 and 8, it says, Then the devil, taking him up on the high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms in the world in, in a moment of time. So this portion of Scripture shows you right there that the width and the breadth and the, of Satan's abilities is beyond human. It's supernatural abilities. Anybody that can, he, he took Jesus and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment's time. That's a supernatural being that we're dealing with. Y'all get that? 
So the devil said to him, the devil said to Jesus, all the authority I will give you and their glory, watch this, for this has been delivered to me and I give it to whomever I wish. Therefore, if you worship before me, it's all yours. That's what the devil is telling Jesus. This has been delivered to me and I can give it to whoever I wish. In other words, if you'll worship me, Jesus, I'll give you authority and I'll give you to, I, I, I'll deliver all these kingdoms to you. And I want you to notice that Jesus didn't stop him. Jesus didn't say, oh, you're lying. That's not true. That's a lie. Jesus didn't do that. Jesus doesn't disagree with him, which indicates that Satan's actually kind of telling the truth right here, even though he's the father of lies. Because it was delivered to him. Uh, Satan does have authority over all the earth and all the authority over the kingdom of this world up until this point. The Bible says it was delivered to him. Well, when did that happen? When did Satan become, when was it delivered to him? You have to go back to Genesis when Adam and Eve were in the garden. Uh, um, God came to them and said, hey, I want you to have dominion. I want you to have authority over all the heavens, over everything you see. I want you to have dominion over it and, and live in authority over this earth. And everything you see is under your authority, under your dominion, except one thing over there, that little tree. Don't touch it. It's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And God said, that is reserved for me. You are not to partake of that tree. Don't even touch it. And as soon as God left Adam and Eve alone, <laughs> Satan comes in the form of a serpent. And Satan says to them, has God really said to you not to eat of that tree? For he knows if you eat of that tree, you'll be like God. So the only authority the enemy had at this stage in the game was given to him through deception. That's it. He didn't have any authority. The only authority he had is, the only reason he has authority is because he stole their authority through deception. He stole Adam and Eve's authority through deception. And that's what he's doing to the church today. The only authority Satan has over a true believer of Jesus Christ right now is the ability to deceive you into believing you don't have any authority. That's the only power he has over you. He deceives you into believing that you don't have the authority. But we're exposing that today. Y'all take a deep breath. Y'all are heavier than the last group. Satan deceived Adam and Eve, and he, they ate of the tree of the good and evil, and, and their eyes are open. So what happens? Sin came in. Sin comes in. And now all the authority was given, all the authority that was given to Adam and Eve has now been transferred to Satan through deception. That authority has been transferred. Satan is now the little G of the world, little God, little, little, the God of the world, little G. Okay? Ruling over kingdoms of this world, ruling over humanity, which set in motion the plan of the redemption through Jesus Christ. God didn't lose control. God had all this planned out in the first place. He wanted to redeem. He wanted redemption. Okay, so don't think there. <laughs> Several thousand years later, back to the desert. Let's go back to the desert, Luke chapter 4. Jesus is on the scene. He's in the middle of the desert. He's now, Jesus is now the redeemer. Satan knows this. Satan knows this. That's why Satan goes to Jesus in the desert. This is a last-ditch last effort by Satan. 
Because if Satan doesn't derail Jesus here, he's going to be defeated for the rest of the eternity, and he knows it. So this is Satan's last-ditch effort, and he comes in to tempt Jesus, offering him all the kingdoms of the world, if you'll just fall down and worship me. And notice what Jesus says back to him. Get behind me, Satan. A lot of y'all say that to your spouses sometimes, huh? Come on, guys, I have to lighten it up a little bit in here. I've heard you say, I've heard people say that. Satan, Jesus says, get behind me, Satan, for it is written. Everybody say, for it is written. You shall worship the Lord your God and him you shall serve. Immediately, Jesus refers to the first piece of weaponry in, in Ephesians. It's the word of, it's, it's the truth of, the word of God. And Paul says in Ephesians that you have to use the word of God if you're going to have authority over Satan. That's what the word of God is. The word of God is the word of God. It's, it's the truth. And Paul says in Ephesians, when you get ready to arm yourself, the first thing you have to do is gird your loins with the truth. So what is truth? What is truth? Truth is the word of God. You guys carry it around. You bring it in your body. This is the truth. It's the truth. And, and, and so now let me explain this because this is important. When you start to study the Word of God, you'll begin to discover there's two kinds of truths. There's two kinds of truths floating out in the world today. One of them, there is a truth, and there is the truth. Now, a truth is relative to you. A truth is something tangible. It's something that you can see. It's something that you can believe. Science is a tr- it can be a truth. You know, it's what you believe. It's how you believe. It, it's I have my truths. You have your truths. You know, what I believe may not be but what you believe. I respect what you believe. You respect w- what I believe. But listen to me. A truth has no power. A truth has no power. A truth, whether it's my truth or somebody else's truth, has no power over Satan. A truth has no authority over Satan. A truth has no power in your life except to deceive you into believing it is the truth. I know this is deep and I know I'm going fast, but I'm, I'm going to take you somewhere. I'm taking you on a journey. I see people every day in their in lives, I see people all over this country living by their own truths. And they're also living under a curse. Many of our truths, any, many of the truths that are out there are deceptive truths, and they're deceptive to our own heart. Uh, the religion of tolerance is one of them. That's a truth that a lot of people just tolerate. Everybody, we, everything's okay. Everybody's good. Do your own thing. We'll accept everything. We have to accept everything. There's no right and wrong. Just everybody's for themselves, and we love everybody, and we do love everybody, but it, it, it's, it's a truth. It's a tolerance of truth. There's the truth of social justice. It's a truth. A lot of people live by that. But none of these truths have the power to deliver you. That is why God had to come and reveal himself as the truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And so, for example, let me just give you an example. A truth might be you have cancer or you have some terminal disease. That's a truth. It's true. But the truth is Jesus bore my sickness and he took my disease and by his stripes I'm healed. That is the truth. Y'all following me now? See, a truth 
doesn't have the power to deliver you. A truth doesn't have the power to heal you. The truth has the power to deliver you and heal you and set you free. You know, tracking with me? My future depends on what truth I believe. My future, my kids' future, everything I'm distilling into my kids, how I'm raising my kids, by what truth I'm teaching them, that our future depends on it. That's why I've said, and I'll say this a thousand times, that's why I said life and death sometimes depends on where you go to church. Are they preaching a truth or the truth? That's why for me, listen, listen, that's why for me, and I'm just going to just say all this, and I'm going to be transparent. Nobody lifted a finger to tell me about the supernatural power of God at, at some of my previous churches when I was a kid. I'm not knocking those great people, I'm not, but they didn't lift a finger to teach me about it. Nobody wanted to discuss, to, to discuss when I was young, growing up in high school and stuff in college, nobody wanted to discuss generational curses in those previous places. And this is literally life and death for me. I was saved and, and filled with the Spirit of God, and I was delivered because I became in contact with the truth. Because somebody preached and stood behind a pulpit and preached the unwavering truth of God and told me about generational curses and told me about this stuff, and I was set free. I was delivered from all of that stuff. And, I, and in the process of that, uh, you know, in, in one of those little processes, I, I got to tell you this because I, I was knocked down off my high horse like Paul. You remember Paul got knocked off his horse? He was blinded for three days. Y'all remember that little story? In the charismatic world, we call it slain in the spirit. Now y'all tracking with me, right? I got knocked off my high horse. <laughs> God dealt with me with pride. I'm, 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 I'm taking you somewhere. That's why I'm telling you. It's God dealt with my pride. He dealt with my pride severely. Dealt with my unbelief. And the reason I say that is because this little Baptist boy, how I was raised, the little Baptist boy didn't believe anything that I was teaching, that I'm teaching you about right now. I didn't. And so God dealt with me about my unbelief and about my pride and stuff. And, and so everything I'm teaching you today, listen, I, I'm like the disciples. I'm, I'm, there's better pastors out there. There's better educated. They're educated and they got seminary degree. I am educated and I am unlearned and I am ignorant, okay? Everything I'm telling you is what I lived. That's all I know to do. I am telling you what I've been through. Everything I'm teaching you today, I've walked through this. I didn't learn this in a book. I've walked through everything. And this is, I am blind, but now I see. That's all I can tell you. I've walked through this. I was healed many times by many, from many things. Uh, um, I can give you examples. I don't have a lot of time, but I, you know, there was times when people laid hands on me and I was instantaneously healed. There was other times when they prayed for me. It took a little while. To, you know what I mean? There's all kinds of occurrences, all by the supernatural power of God. I was then I was filled later on with a dunamis power, this explosive power of God, so that the Bible teaches about being filled with this dunamis power so that you can be an effective witness and a bold witness for Jesus Christ. And then, I, you know, I learned in the Bible, it says, be ye continually filled with the Spirit of God. That means it's not a one-time experience. There's more every day. There's something fresh every day. There's a fresh feeling every single day when you get up. Be ye continually filled. I gotta have that fresh stuff. I gotta have some fresh oil. I gotta have some something fresh pouring into me. I don't know about y'all, but be ye continually filled. I just took the Bible at what it literally said. Sometimes when you go to church, all you hear is a truth, but you don't hear the truth. 
I heard the truth. I'm not knocking churches. I'm just saying. I, I, I've experienced this. I, you know, I was with the, the truth. Watch, listen to this. The truth is not a truth because the truth will set you free. And that's what you need to get a hold of today. John 8 says, if you abide in my word, the truth, you are my disciples. Indeed, you shall know the truth and the truth will set you free. A truth never delivers you. The truth delivers you. The devil wants to make sure that you don't know the truth, so he'll create a truth to discount the truth. Too many truths for y'all? The devil don't want you to know the truth, so he'll deceive you into believing a truth so that you'll discount the truth. Satan wants to create feelings in you. Satan wants to create belief systems in you. Create, Satan wants to decept, bring deceptions to you so that you'll never discover the truth of Jesus Christ, the truth of God, the truth of his authority, the truth about who you are in Jesus Christ, and the truth about how much authority you have in Jesus Christ. Because just like Adam and Eve, he knows that once you discover who you are and the authority that you have, he knows that he's done. His, his, he's going to reach his demise. Because once you discover the truth about who you are, you become dangerous to the devil. It comes down to putting on the loin belt of truth. That's what it comes down to. The loin belt of truth was in, in the Romans, to the Roman soldier, it was the part that they wrapped around themselves and it held everything, all their armor together and on them. They attached every piece of their, the breastplate, everything was attached to this loin belt of truth. They clipped it all together and, and the main parts. The main part was the loin belt of truth. It protected their midsection. It protected their vitals. And if the soldier didn't have the loin belt of truth, he had nothing to hold the rest of his armor together. So what Paul is indicating as he's chained to this Roman soldier, Paul says the most important part of that armor is you got to have the Word of God. you got to put on the Word. you got to put the Word inside of you. Because if you don't read your Bible, if you don't meditate on it, if you don't learn about the Bible, you'll have no power and authority over the enemy. And then listen, you'll, you'll eventually, if you don't have the loin belt of truth to hold your breastplate of righteousness, you'll lose faith. Not saying you'll lose salvation, you'll lose faith. You'll become stagnant. You'll become, you'll, you'll become put off. You'll, become, you'll, you'll just become complacent. You'll start backing away. That's why it's so important, uh, that breastplate of righteousness. Because once you, once you sin, once you do something, you know, like that, I, I see this all the time. Churches, that people start backing away from the church. You know, oh, I feel so bad. Condemnation comes in. The devil deceives you with this condemnation, and he heaps condemnation onto you. And so we don't want to go to the church where we can repent and maybe make clean. We we're just going to live in our condemnation. And so you start backing away, and you'll lose faith. You'll lose heart. Y'all ever been, you know what I'm talking about? Stagnant, complacent. That's because the loin belt of truth wasn't holding the breastplate of righteousness in place because you're made right standing by the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Amen? Uh, that's how you're not made right standing with Jesus' righteousness. By your own righteousness, you're made right standing by Jesus Christ. You've got to have all those weapons. How many Christians go into the world every single day unarmed, naked, and afraid? <laughs> Without wearing any armor, let alone their clothing sometimes. The enemy just comes in and day in and day, night, day out, he just comes in and he wreaks havoc. And what the devil does is he brings thoughts 
into your mind. He brings activities. He brings temptations. And he brings trials to come in and defeat you and to deceive you and bring deception to you and bring all these things. And, and, and listen, God has given you the authority over all those things. The only weapon Satan has is deception and lies. You have a thought, somebody said something, and man, a thought comes into your mind, and, and, and man, you don't know what to do with that, and you, we mull it over, and pretty soon anger starts rising up, and pretty soon, uh, you know, vengeance starts rising up, and all these things. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Am I telling the truth now? And, and that's how the devil comes into your life, and bring, and so all of a sudden, you're deceived into thinking, that person did this to me, and I've got to get them back. And through deception, you're exchanging your authority you got to get your loin belt of truth on. And so there's three truths that I want to give you. i got to give them to you real quickly now um, to help you battle this. Three truths. I had to lay this whole foundation. I said all that to say this. Number one is Jesus, you got to know that Jesus came to restore kingdom authority on the earth. Jesus came to restore your authority. The reason why Jesus, Jesus, Jesus didn't come just to save you, okay? But he came to instill authority back to you. Authority over all these principalities and powers and spiritual wickedness. And, and the authority that God intended for Adam and Eve to have and have dominion over that was stripped from them, God came, Jesus came to give that back to you. Now remember, Satan has all authority in the world. But Satan does not have legal authority over a follower of Jesus Christ. He does not have legal authority over a follower of Jesus Christ. Let me rattle off some scriptures to you real quick. The Bible says in 1 John 3, 8, He who sins is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose the Son of God was manifest, that he might destroy the works of the devil. 1 Corinthians 15, 24, Then comes the end. When he delivers the kingdom of God, the Father, when he puts an end to the rule and all authority and all power, for he, mo he, mo for he most must reign until he put all his enemy under his feet. Then the one I really want to get to is Colossians 2.13. And you being dead in your trespasses, that's sin, the circumcision of your flesh, he has made alive together with him, having forgiven you all of your trespasses, having wiped out the handwritings of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us, he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross, having, watch this, having disarmed principalities and powers and made a public spectacle of all of them, triumphing over it. Now the reason why it says making, you know, Paul wrote this and he was, he was giving you the framework of how the Roman armies would demonstrate when they defeated their enemies. This is how the Roman army worked. And, and Paul was chained to a Roman soldier. And he, when the Roman army, when they defeated somebody, when they defeated another army, they would strip them of all their armor, and they would even take their clothes off, and they would chain them in a long line, and they would march them into the city. And so that the whole world, everybody in Rome, all the other Romans, just the normal people, could see these, this army defeated in front of them, stripped of their power. The Roman Empire, the Roman soldiers would make, make a public spectacle of their enemies in Rome. 
to show their power and authority over them. And that's what the scripture says in Colossians. That's what Jesus did to the devil and his demons. He made a public spectacle of them. He stripped them of his army. When he came back as the redeemer, and he stripped the devil of his armor. He stripped the devil of his power. He stripped him of all of his authority. And Jesus marched them the principalities, the powers, he marched them to the throne of the kingdom of heaven, demonstrating his defeat over them, over every demonic entity. Jesus made a show of them openly and spectacle, and he just made a public spectacle of them. So you need to know that as Christian, as Christian, Satan has no authority in your life. Satan only has lies and deceptions. And when someone says, you know, God allows evil things to happen. How many of you ever heard that? You know, well, God, why did God allow all these evil things to happen? I'm going to tell you the truth about that. God allows what you allow. God only allows what you allow. He has given you back the authority. He only allows the devil wreaking havoc in your family. That's because you're allowing it. It's because you're allowing it. Devil wreaking havoc in your marriage, it's because you're allowing it. Devil wreaking havoc in your job place, in your job markets, wherever it is, your business, it's because you're allowing it. Put a stop to it. Take authority over it. Pray over that thing. Put, put, take authority and just, and just, just, take, just get, take authority over it. And, and the way... <laughs> The way in it, the devil strategizes over people is through sin. Satan tries to deceive you in giving your authority over to him, and it's by sinning. When he can get you to sin, when he can get you to compromise, when he can get you to whatever it is, when he, once he starts living in sin, you give your authority back to Satan. And then you've given, once you start sinning and you start living in sin, you open the doors and you give, you open that. It's like you have a roadblock. Satan has the plan. He has the roadmap into your life. Once you start sinning, you open that roadblock up. He, you open the doors for him to come in. That's why God gives you a way out. And we talked about this a couple weeks ago. The way out, repent of your sins. Repent and get cleansed from all unrighteousness. The Bible says you've been washed, you've been cleansed. The handwritings that are against you, the accusations that are written against you by the accuser of the brethren, they have written against you. And, and Jesus says, no, I've taken those accusations. When you repent, I nail them to the cross. I put them under the blood of Jesus Christ. I throw them into the sea of forgiveness. They're no longer remembered. I, I get rid of those things. But you know Satan, if you, if you don't repent, if you don't come to a place of repentance, Satan will bring shame and guilt upon you and he'll heap it on you and he'll heap it on you and, and it'll become part of your future and because listen because you haven't repented you haven't you haven't closed those doors and Jesus is the one who has authority and you're listen you're not the person who has authority you have to understand greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world okay I gotta hurry I gotta move on to point two Jesus delegated the authority to you the church it's Christ in you who has the authority. So how many of you know we got to start living like it? Number two, Jesus delegated authority to you, the church. Ephesians 1.19 says, And what is the exceedingly greatness of the power toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked 
in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in heavenly places far above, watch this, far above all principality and power and might and dominion. This is indicating that Jesus is in a place of authority now. And every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the age to come. And and look at this. He put all things. How many things? Everybody say it. All things. All things. That's everything under his feet. Gave to him, you know, to who? The church. He gave that to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him, who fills all of this in all. So you are Christ's body, you are a delegated authority. I talked about this last week. You are ambassadors from the kingdom of heaven, a delegated authority. You're supposed to live a life that's victorious, um, you know, and you have the power and authority over every area of your life, over every Satan. You can defeat him over every, every area of your life. It doesn't matter what you come against as long as God's for you and you believe in him, you have that authority. So don't let passive teachings and passive churches and other passive, uh, don't let anybody that talk you out of that authority. You have power and authority inside of you that you don't even know that's inside of you, and his name is Jesus. Y'all understand that? When you, when you have the, the conquering king of Je- the conquering king of this world, of heaven and earth, uh, you know, you, he is living inside of you. And we think of Jesus as some, you know, flowing hair and guitar, coffee shop, uh, kumbaya kind of thing, you know, real passive and gentle and stuff like that. But listen, man, Jesus is not a passive, he's not a passive king. Uh, the Bible even represents him, man. His hair is whiter than snow and his, his eyes are like flames and he has a sword of truth coming out of his mouth. And he's coming back to this earth to rule and reign forever. And he's coming not in a manger and not in a baby manger. He's coming on a white horse and he's going to set up his kingdom on earth. And that's something to be excited about. And he's going to rule and reign over every every principality and over every evil spirit that is, that is conquering this earth. He is coming back and his time is coming closely. He's not a passive Jesus and we can't be a passive church. We're not at peacetime. We're at wartime. You got to gird your loins with the truth and put on the breastplate of righteousness. And number three, Jesus commissioned the church to operate in supernatural power of the Holy Spirit. If I haven't lost most of you now, I'll lose you right here. Zechariah 4.6 says, not by might, not by power, but by the Spirit, says the Lord. So listen, you need to understand you don't have the power. As soon as you start thinking you have the power, how many of you know God will show you you don't have the power? (laughs) As soon as you get full of yourself, you'll learn real quickly that pride comes before the fall. Amen? And so anytime you start operating in the power of the Holy Spirit, uh, don't let it go to your head. It's, It's what's supposed to be is it's supposed to be you cooperating with the Holy Spirit so that his supernatural power can be manifested on this earth. So here we go. Y'all ready for this? (laughs) We're going to talk about the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to throw it out out there for you real quickly. Y'all got me five more minutes? Okay. There's worlds. There's teachings. There's churches. There's higher education institutions. That'll train people and even train pastors that all of this, what I'm fixing to talk about, has been passed away. The Holy Spirit 
according to my Bible, still operates for those today that believe in Jesus. Well, I can feel this grating and this, this I can feel it. Okay? So I'm fixing to give you the Word of God. Those who believe in the Word of God, uh, listen, when you believe in the Word of God over theology, over higher education, over all the teachings of the world, listen, I have a lot of friends in high places, pastors, college education, college professors. I even have one that's taught in this place, and he'll tell you that there are higher educations, there are seminaries, there's places. There's great ones too, but there are places that will teach you out of this. It'll make you believe that this doesn't exist, what I'm about to talk to you about. The power of God is throughout the New Testament, and the church acts like it doesn't exist anymore. And I'm telling you, God's empowering the churches, and God is splitting the sea, and and he's separating the churches, and he's going to deal. I've heard too many great prophetic messages come in the last month that God's fixing to deal with with apostate churches that have have stifled and gagged the Holy Spirit. God's going to deal with them. And I say deal with them because he loves his church. He's going to deal with them. He's not going to punish them. And and God's going to empower the ones that want the Holy Spirit to move and be free because we're in for it. We're in for a fight. We're in a battle. Things aren't going to get cakewalk easy for the church. We're in a battle. And, and so, listen, everyone right now in our, in, our, in our culture wants microcosms of biblical encouragement instead of the empowerment to do the works of Jesus. And when Jesus was on his earth, he made a very important statement in John 14, 12. He said, those of you that believe in me, the works that I do, because it's not going to be everybody, you will do also. And he says, the greater works will you do because I'm going to my Father. I'm leaving it in your hands. And, and, I, and he's, Jesus went on to say, I'm going to leave you a helper. His name's the Holy Spirit, and he's going to empower you. He's talking to the believers, okay, the ones that already have the Holy Spirit living inside of them. He said, I'm fixing to empower you now. That tells me there's something else to this. Y'all get y'all catching my drift? And then he gives us the Great Commission, and here we go. So I want every Bible in this place open right now. If you've got an electronic device, open your Bible. Get to your Bible. Read the Scriptures so you can believe. You don't hear what I'm saying. You hear what the Word of God's saying. Mark, uh, Mark 16, every Bible open. See it for yourself. Mark 16, 15, here's what it says. Jesus said to them, go into the world and preach the gospel. Pretty simple, huh? For some people, the only gospel that they know is that Jesus came to save them from their sins, and that's it. It stops right there. And that's true, and that's awesome, but there's a whole lot more to the gospel than that, than just Jesus came to save you from your sins. There's a full gospel that includes casting out demons, speaking in tongues, laying the hands on sick, and supernatural protection. It's in the scriptures. Jesus said, those who believe and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow the believers. Christians are not to follow signs. Don't go chasing signs. Don't go jumping churches to chase signs. That's not what you're supposed to do. Signs are supposed to follow Christians. Here's the signs that will follow you. The first thing it says is, in my name you'll cast out demons. What does the Bible say in your Bible? What does it say you'll cast out? I just want to make sure we're on the same page. When was the last time you cast out a demon? When's the last time you took authority over a demonic spirit versus the last time you counseled a demon or medicated a demon? 
Wow, tough crowd here today, I'm telling you, man. Listen, you, can, you can't counsel a demon, you can't medicate a demon. I'm not against counseling, I'm not against medicating, but that only, listen, the Bible teaches very clearly to cast out a demon. You've got to take authority over that thing and tell it to get out. That's what happened to me. That's what I've experienced. You might calm a demon down and you might, you, you might settle it down, but you don't get rid of him. You have to cast out the demon. The demon does not come out through talking. You have to take authority. Jesus said, I've given you all authority over every power and every principality and over serpents and snakes and over all the power of the enemy. That's what he said. So you have to take that authority. I don't know how many times I've seen that. I, I, I have, I'm not going to mention names, but I, I have people in here that have experienced that with me. We've been in places in, in, just in our surrounding areas, and we've prayed for people, and demons manifest. And, and, and you start praying, and you start telling that thing to get out, and things start happening, and all of a sudden we pray for that person, and all of a sudden they, they're like, I'm free. Wow. You know, they're different people. That's happened to me on the streets of New York, man. I, I, I have people that's been to New York for me. That's one of those times. Every time I went to New York, I'd just be praying for people, and all of a sudden there's another voice, and that voice will start speaking to me and saying, who are you? And they'll start, they'll, it, I'm just telling you this is real stuff. I've lived it. I've experienced And I just start taking authority. And I say, you got to get out of this person right now, by the, not by my authority, but by the authority of Jesus Christ. You, and this one person, they fell to the ground, started crying, and started doing all these things, and we just prayed for them, and some other other people prayed, and we gathered around the person, and when they got up, they were a different person. Y'all don't, y'all don't want to hear this. Y'all don't want to hear this today, do you? <laughs> y'all don't want to hear this. It happens every day in Nicaragua. Go to a third world country. That's all they have, folks. They don't have medications. They don't have counselors. You just pray for people, and, and they get delivered. It happens in third world countries all the time. And then the Bible says you'll cast out demons, but then it says you'll speak in other tongues. Well, pastor, that's speaking in tongues. That's of the devil. I don't know how many times I've heard that. Then you just said what Jesus said is for, of the devil. That don't make any sense to me either. The Bible says you'll speak in other tongues because God gives you a spiritual language by the Holy Spirit to pray things that you don't know what to pray for supernaturally. Paul said, I thank God that I speak more tongues more than any of you. But basically, if you read the context of what Paul's saying, I'm thank God that I speak tongues more than any of you. He said, but in church, I don't use it because it confuses unbelievers. He said, but I use this, basically he's saying, I use this in my prayer language. I pray it all the time. I thank God that I speak in tongues more than any of you. But I don't use it in the church settings because it's not necessary. That time God knocked me off my high horse and, and dealt with my pride and dealt with my unbelief, I got up a changed man. I was delivered from some things. I, you know, anytime God throws you down on the ground, you better come up changed. <laughs> That's the purpose of it. And, and I come back up, I had a prayer language. I had a prayer language, and I don't make any apologies about it, and, and I use it all the time. I get in my prayer closet when I don't know what to do, and, and I cry out to God, and I use it. You know why I use it? Because God put it in me. And, and I, there's a lot of people in, in our church that God's put some things in you that you're not using. Are you following me? And then the Bible says you'll take up serpents. <laughs> now don't go crazy on me because it's not talking about country people in there handling snakes in their churches and stuff like that. It's not what that, that, that's tempting the Lord your God. Just don't go there, okay? This is talking about divine protection. Okay, I've seen the videos, man. There are really religions and churches out there that one of them's dead now because he got bit. But 
it's talking about divine protection because Paul literally stuck his hand in a fire. He was going to pick up a stick and a snake attached itself to his hand and it was the deadliest poisonous snake and it didn't affect him. It, he shook it off and, and, and it didn't kill him because Paul was trusting God and trusting the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit that it, that, that spirit would take, that, that, that God's power would protect him on his missionary journeys. So don't go around petting snakes and handling snakes. Don't hear me say that today, okay? And then it says you will drink uh, it says if they drink anything deadly, it won't hurt them. So don't try going and drinking Clorox or something like that to see if, don't do that, okay? This is talking about supernatural protection, okay? This is, this, is the, this is what I use. I use this scripture when I go into restaurants when I don't know what's going on in the kitchen. And I, 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 listen, I don't have any idea what's going on back there, and I see some of the things, you know, and I'm just like... I, Thank you, Jesus, for this food I'm about to receive. I pray you protect me in Jesus' name. If you're a missionary, you've ever been on the mission field, you know what I'm talking about too, man. They, they, the way they cook some of those things and you see what they're doing and you see some of the animals that are hanging upside down and you just, oh, you're like, oh, it, Jesus, help me. And so it's talking about divine protection. Um, then the most controversial one, some, some, some of these places, you know, listen, is the Bible says you shall lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. There should be an expectation in every believer supernaturally that there should be an expectation of recovery of people that are sick. When you operate in supernatural authority of God, but here's my question is, I know what I believe. What do you believe? What do you all believe? I, I've been supernaturally healed in some instances of some things, of physical healings and just some things, and, 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 and I've seen people supernaturally healed uh, you know, instantaneously, I've seen the dead come back to life, literally. I've seen people pronounced dead by EMTs, and I've seen them come back to life. So my point in saying all that is nobody can take that away from me. Nobody can take that away from me. I've experienced it. I've seen it. But what do you believe? Where are you at? I've seen many people not healed, dear loved ones, not healed. Jesus went into towns and people didn't get healed all the time. And there were factors into that. I preached four weeks on the reason why Jesus walked into a lot of cities and they didn't get healed because they didn't honor Jesus. So there's a lot of factors that play into why people don't get healed. I don't have the answer. I'm not God. But I'm, this ain't up for debate for me because, because God is my witness. I have been healed and God is, I have seen people healed. And Jesus just said, go out and tell people about it. Tell them about my great power. You shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. What do you believe? If you guys, Jimmy and Ron, if you want to come, it'll make everybody feel better. Listen, when you start to learn how to arm yourself against the enemy, you become dangerous to the enemy. That's, that's it. And, and I want a dangerous church. I'm not going to be a passive church. I, I'm, this is, I want to be a dangerous church. I want to be a threat. I've said this. I've heard great prophetic messages come by people I trust. You know, that God's going to deal with the apostate church. God, you don't, it, it, that's biblical. God dealt with seven churches in Revelations. You know what I'm saying? God's going to deal with churches in these next, I believe in this next phase, man. 
in these next years to come, 2021, I believe God's going to deal with the churches. And I don't want to be in that camp. I'm trying to raise a dangerous church. I want people to be dangerous to the enemy. I want, I want people to be a threat. Remember, the devil is bad. God is good. And bad things happen because the devil is on this earth. And, and God, good things happen because God is here to teach us how to deal with those bad things. God empowers you to walk in authority. And the only authority the enemy has over you is if you give it to him. So quit giving the devil authority. Quit giving him a roadmap into your heart. Stand with me all over this place. I want to pray with you. I want to bow your heads for just a moment. I know it's heavy teaching, but I learned a long time in youth ministry, if you can't go deep, they'll never keep. I hope you've received as much out of this today as I have, preparing it for you. If you're here today, and if any of this has resonated with you, I want to give you an opportunity to respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ. But the first thing you need to have, first thing that needs to happen is that you need, you know, if you want to experience this authority and you want to take authority, the first thing is admit your own weakness. Admit your own weakness. And if there's sin in your life, if there's things going on in your life, just repent of your sins, man. Repent of your sins and get your heart right with God. And the first step of any of that is humility and just humbling yourself and saying, God, I need you. I can't do this on my own. You can't deal with your sins. Only God can deal with your sins. You have to give him, just like you give Satan the authority in your life, you give him a roadmap in your life, you have to open the doors for God to come in too. And humility has to be a big part of that. And then I'll say this to say to, to wrap this up. I had this conversation between churches. Just because I, I read this great commission in Mark chapter 16, you know, it, it's not a magic formula. You know, you don't just walk out. It, it, listen, I, I say all this. Listen, if you don't hear anything else I say, say, hear this. The power's in the seeking, not the speaking. You want power in your life? It's in the seeking. Seek God. Seek God. Seek His truth. If you're here today, you need God in your life. You need God to do something in your life supernaturally. It doesn't matter what it is. You need forgiveness. You just need 